from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex episode of the day. On today's episode of the RiderFlex podcast, we have guest Ray Decker. He's the hospitality director at Avery Brewing in Boulder, Colorado. We chatted about several of my favorite topics, interviewing, hiring, leadership, and of course, beer. I truly enjoyed my conversation with Ray, and I think you will too. Uh, how's my hair look? Do I need to fix that before we start? Yeah. <laughs> <Great> <laughs> Ray Decker on the Rider Flex podcast. How you doing, Ray? I'm really good. Thank you. It was nice to meet you um, at Avery. What was it, a month ago or so? Two months? How, when was that? A couple of months? I think it was about July, early July. Yeah, early July, early July, something like that. Um, yeah. It seems like forever ago. Oh, you know what? No, it was June 24th. It was our opening night. That's right. Okay. Impressive, impressive facility, by the way. Wednesday, June 24th. That will, I'll, I'll remember that day for a long time. Right, because that was your opening day from COVID. Yeah, yeah. How long had you been closed? We closed March, uh, well, the Friday the 13th, March. That was our, uh, our official last day was that we did lunch on the 13th and then we closed up. That's right. And then when I met you, it was the first semi-open. I, got, I mean, you were open, but not open normal, right? <laughs> not <laughs> no, but we were open. Yeah, we, it, was, uh, it was a pretty big push to get going. Um, the state of Colorado, Governor Paulus came out and on the 25th of May, that Monday, Memorial Day, said that restaurants could open on the 27th. That's right. And that caught everybody, I mean, caught me by surprise because the, the message leading up to that was they were going to try and give us some kind of a runway to prepare. And it's like, yeah, you guys can open in two days with a lot of restrictions. Um, but we took our time. We, we ended up taking a month um, after that to, uh, to make sure that we had our flow dialed in, everything was in line, and then we decided to open up on June 24th. I what I I never would have known that was your first day open from COVID if you hadn't told me because you 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 had the team ready. I mean they were it was like they had been doing it that way all along. Like you you didn't even know that they were having to go through all these extra steps and stuff. It was I mean, a great yeah. job on your part. I remember noticing that. But for the listeners, real quick, I guess we should tell them. So so Ray is is the what's your official title there? Hospitality director or is it just like captain of everything? <laughs> yeah, I'm the hospitality director. Yeah. Okay. Avery Brewing in Boulder, Colorado. By the way, my new favorite beer right now. My new my new favorite is Night Warden. Oh, it's so good. I mean, I bro, yeah. I I I've gone through several cases. <laughs> yeah, that beer is amazing. Eight point two percent can. Yeah, it's such a crusher. 8.2% and it's, it's aged in whiskey barrels, right? Is that the deal? Uh, yep. You introduced me to that when I met you that, that day. And then now, now when I go on my solo camping trips to the mountains, I, I take a bunch with me. <laughs> uh, you know, it's good. I can have like two of those and I'm feeling pretty good. So Ray Decker is the hospitality director, Avery Brewing, Boulder. Um, Ray, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself personally for a minute? Give the listeners some background uh, about you, where you grew up, family, stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I was uh, 
my grandparents uh, were restaurant owners um, even before I was born. Um, so I was pretty much born into the business. My dad was a chef for the restaurant. My mom was a, a server. All my aunts and uncles worked there. Um, it was a family-run business. It was, uh, ah. yeah, it was a seafood restaurant called the Holy Mackerel. Okay. And it was, uh, built in, um, it was a restaurant in an, um, an inn, an old inn that was built in 1764. So it was a historic site. Um, George Washington wasn't there, but a few of his generals had passed through during the Revolutionary War. And, um, and somehow my grandparents acquired this building and it was beautiful. It was on a beautiful piece of land. And I actually lived there um, on top of the restaurant when I was like five, six, and seven years old. Wow. And, uh, you know, I remember you know, being in my pajamas and walking down and like peeking my head into the dining room to see if my mom was there. And, um, so that's, you know, that's how I got, I mean, obviously I was, you know, kind of thrown into that. I started dishwashing, um, when I was 13, um, for the summer and, uh, wow. and just kind of worked my way through all the different positions. And, um, when I was 20, I decided that I wanted to join the Marine Corps. And, um, so I went into the Marine Corps and did four years, um, uh, there. And, um, from that point I got out and I, I mean, what I knew was the restaurant, so I just went right yep. back to the restaurants. And, did you go uh, back? Did you go back to work for the family business or or something different? Um, you know, at, actually, during my time in the Marine Corps, my grandparents sold the the last restaurant that they had. Um, okay. So the family kind of had ventured out of the restaurant business. Um, so yeah, I went back into uh, just local restaurants in New Jersey where I was uh, where I was living and. Um, was there for about another three years and then I moved out to Colorado in Boulder. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, that was like my, that was my start in Colorado. I, the Boulder Cork has a pretty extensive wine list uh. and um, I was serving in their bar area, more kind of in the casual environment, but I okay. wanted to be on the floor. And I the only way to get there was to start learning about wine. So I like, I really took to wine and I, um, that's what kind of really, that's what cemented me in the, in the industry was a passion for wine and, and spirits. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. Now back then, what year was this when you worked for the, okay. Okay. Well, it was already expensive to live in Boulder at that time. Not as, not as expensive as, as it is now, but, uh, <laughs> all right. So you're working there. Let me guess. You got like a little apartment downtown Boulder. You're working at the cork. You're okay. Are you married kids at this time? Single? What were you doing? Single. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that's pretty cool. Living in Boulder, working at the restaurant, single. Okay, yep. All right. Snowboarding, yep. trail running. Yeah. yeah was, all right. Yeah, that was a yeah. pretty good life. That was a pretty good time right there, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, you can tell me about more of those stories later privately when I meet you for beers. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so, then, so, so at that time, were you thinking, hey, this is fun, this is a good time, but I want to do X, Y, Z? Did you have a plan or were you just kind of kind of just going through the motions and like – you know, what was the plan? You know, there's a restaurant in town called Brasserie 1010, and um, they were getting ready to open. Okay. And um, I had a friend that was, uh, had a loose connection, and I got an interview. And um, I started working for Brasserie. I helped open up the, the restaurant in July of 2003. Okay. And uh, again, you know, wine was a big influence there. And uh, I had a mentor um, who was a master sommelier. Uh, his name was Jay Fletcher. And 
he, I don't know, he just sparked, he just like, you know, lit a fire for me and I um, got certified to become a, a sommelier and really started, um, you know, venturing into the wine side. Now is this level, aren't there levels like one, two or three or something like that? It was the certified. So there's like an intro and they're certified. Then they have advanced and masters. So I, okay. I was a certified sommelier. And, okay. Um, and I worked there and that, that's actually where I got my first man management job. Um, they approached okay. me to help manage and uh, I took the management job. And about a year after that, um, the kitchen in Boulder was getting ready to open the upstairs space. Okay. And uh, they had approached me about helping open that up. And um, so that was the kitchen was like my my big introduction to management and um, and um, again wine and but I also took on the beer program there ah. I was uh, I was a manager I was responsible for the upstairs and I was also running the beer program and um, okay. I, I changed it from you know a macro driven um, list to well I mean this time this is 2005 2006 and craft was just really starting to get you know gain a stronghold and um that's actually where i met adam avery um he had he had come in and through his one of his sales guys um we determined that we were going to host a beer dinner upstairs okay and um this was 2006 and, and how just, long how long had he been up and running by that point how old was avery at that point 13 years so okay. was he, okay. uh, avery opened in 93 okay all right sorry go ahead all right so you met all right but this is uh, this is actually at uh, Avery's first beer dinner in Boulder. They had done a few beer dinners outside of Boulder, but they had never done one inside Boulder. And Interesting. So we did it. Yeah, and we threw up this like massive. I think it was a six course meal. I still have the menu at home. Cool. And we finished like the last four beers of the dinner were all above 13, 14 <laughs> percent. Hammered. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, but that was your bond. That was your bonding moment with with Adam. That was, that was it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Got, how long after that before he was like, hey, bro, I need you to come over here and help me? How long did that take? <laughs> that was uh, eight years. Eight yeah. years later? Eight years later. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, did you stay at the kitchen that whole time for those eight years? or, or, or was, go Yeah, I was at the kitchen for seven. Um, okay. I, okay. I had, um, my position grew at the kitchen. I had become the general manager. Um, and then as the kitchen was going through a big growth process, I became um, the executive GM. So at okay. that point, we had opened the kitchen next door, Boulder, and then also the kitchen in Denver. Uh, I, was, I helped open all of those restaurants, but I was also then managing the GMs for those locations. So who was the primary owner of the, of the restaurant then, of the kitchen? It's um, Hugo Matheson and Kimball Musk. The same owners the whole time? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So great run there and kept moving up, kept learning, kept getting promotions. I mean, developing your leadership skills. I mean, great experience. Fantastic experience. By the way, lots of, lots of nights and weekends, man. I don't know how you guys do it in the restaurant industry. I mean, that's just a different life. That's a ton of sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. At that time I didn't have a boy, you know, and um, so yeah, my, it was definitely weighted to the, the 2 a.m., 3 a.m. You know, they definitely take a toll. Okay. So no, you, at that time you weren't married, no kids, none of that. No, I got married towards the end of, uh, end of the kitchen run. And um, actually having my son was the catalyst for me leaving uh, the kitchen. I, he was born in October of 2012. Okay. And we left the kitchen in that November. 
because uh, because you're like i just can't this is this is just i mean this is great but it's not for family life i can't miss yeah exactly that was my feeling it was like i i had an opportunity to be a stay-at-home dad and i oh oh sweet okay all right well yeah yeah wow you were you were like oh this is awesome (laughs) it's saturday at 6 p.m and i'm not in a restaurant that's weird right (laughs) okay so so a couple of years with your son and then what happens you starting to get restless do you get a tap on the shoulder from somebody go ahead uh yeah my wife at the time we're no longer together but um we were down, she was working down in florida and um in the tampa area and okay. we had had a conversation um we went out to dinner um one night and we were at leave we we're set to leave florida the next morning <clears throat> and we were having a conversation i'm like you know when i get back when we get back home i'm gonna start putting the resume together i'm just feeling you know i need to get back out and i'm yeah. also my husband is duke I was like, I feel like Duke is needing more social environment than just his dad, you know? And so um, the next morning we were driving um, the four out to, to Orlando and my phone started ringing and it was Adam Avery. And um, he's like, hey, you know that project we've been trying to get going for the last three years? You know, I was like, yeah. He's like, well, we just broke ground. We should talk. And the new, was, uh, is this the new facility that I met you at or? Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, just randomly, you know, I'm like, wow. Hey, before i'm like i'm getting the resume out when we get home and adam calls me on my way to the airport wow okay that's all right that's a sign right that's yeah. a sign yeah. <laughs> so we met literally the next day i was like well i'm flying back from florida um i'll be i'll be home tonight he's like why don't you just come in tomorrow and um okay. so I'm in the next day and um the, I, yeah, that was it that was the rest the rest is history how long have you been there now uh six and a half years Six and a half years. Okay, so you were the one that got the new facility opened. I mean, you you managed that whole process to get it open, and you've been there ever since. You and you're the GM of the facility now. How yeah, does that? Um, okay, yeah. Um, so I'm the hospitality director, and um, my my role is uh, I'm responsible for the guest experience, and that. Um, so you know, I'm responsible for the restaurant, the tap room, and the operations. Um, also, pretty much anything that's forward facing. Pre COVID, when we we're doing tours and Okay. And stuff that would be my responsibility as well. You know, the guest experience, can I just tell you, you know, I'm 53 years old and I used to, before I started Riderflex, I used to just travel for business just constantly, right? So just, I don't even know how many restaurants and bars I've been in in my life, thousands, right? And as you get older and you travel a lot, you get super critical of service and food and the environment. You just, you know, you you know, if you get to be my age and you've traveled your whole life, as soon as you walk into a location, you're, you're immediately making judgments on every little thing, right? At least I, at least I was always. Um, and man, you know, when I was at Avery that day and I met you, there, there was just such a um, relaxing, calm, friendly, authentic, genuine feel like about it that's that's my best way to describe it you know even when I met you you know you were just super welcoming I I guess maybe is maybe is another good word like you just super real it wasn't fake it wasn't like you weren't it just felt like I was just like man like I just met this guy like three minutes ago I feel like I've known him for two years this is pretty cool I mean seriously um and and you were making sure you know by the way that's another thing Restaurant owners and or the GMs of facilities or locations, 
if they'll just work the audience a little bit, if they'll just come out and just visit with people, I mean, that is so magical. I'm always, I'm always blown away by, by general managers and owners that don't come out into the crowd and just visit with guests. I mean, that is a huge thing. The fact that you stopped and visit with us and I saw you talking to other people while you were keeping your eyes on the crew at the same time you were, you know, <laughs> that was really magical. It made me feel really, really good. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to share that with you. I, I don't take any of that lightly when I see that. And I can see why you'd be so great at it. So you've been there. And how many employees now uh, for, for th that you supervise? We have right now, we have about 60. 60 employees. Wow. Uh, do they get to drink during their shifts? <laughs> uh, no, not anymore. We, uh, we, um, we used to, uh, well, we, if you were um, an employee on the floor, we would let you have a couple of tasters of beer throughout. And it was a manager led um, you know, it's, we call them pre's, like they're little five ounce okay. pours. Okay. Um, and, and you know, once we get through with a big push, or you know, it's like, all right, let's breathe a little bit. We, we yeah. would pour free, and it would be a management led. And you know, it was we we'd always try and make it some kind of educational purpose. Yeah. Um, but we since since coming back from COVID, we are uh, now our pre's are like root beers and cream sodas. <laughs> what, what now? Is there a tie to COVID for that change, or you just thought now's a good time to change that? I think a little bit of both. Yeah. Just, okay. uh, I think it was, yeah, I think it was a good opportunity to, um, to just, yeah, change it. And you know, not that it was unhealthy, but I think it's probably a little healthier. With, with uh, you know, it's interesting you bring that topic up. That's another thing that I have always noticed about bars. You know, I've always thought it's kind of cool. It's somewhat cool when the bartender We'll take a shot with you and your buddy. You know, you're talking about something. There's bartender comes over and takes a shot. That's that's kind of cool. But as as a guest, I always thought maybe other people don't think this way. As a guest, like if my bartender is showing signs of being too tipsy or they're slurring their words or I can tell that the alcohol has affected them, that's an immediate turnoff for me. That is an immediate. That's an immediate turnoff for me. Yeah, you feel the same way. Yeah, for sure. Immediate turnoff. It's just yeah, that's not acceptable. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally, I totally yeah, agree. And that, where that vibe is cool, but I mean, in a setting like we're, what we're trying to create, it's just not acceptable. Yeah, I to, no, I totally agree. And I always thought that was a, that was a conflict on my head because I would know bartenders that would do that, and in the moment when they're doing the shot with you, you're like, oh yeah, you kind of high five, and then later you're like, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't like you like that. Go back to being a regular bartender. <laughs> uh, um, you know, you do such a great job with two things that I noticed you talked to me about super low turnover. I just assumed that, that, uh, the, do you call them waiters, waitresses, beer? What, what do you call them? What are the, what's their title? The, the people that serve the beer to the plate, to the, to the patrons. Um, you know, servers and service. And yeah. I mean, we, our, our team is very flexible. Um, you know, you could be bartending today. You could be serving oh. be hosting the next day. Um, so we Good try idea. We try and keep everybody at a, at a similar level so that we have a lot of flexibility, you know, um, with moving people around. That's a good idea. Well, I just assumed that that would be a high turnover job, but you were telling me about the super low turnover, which I was shocked by, which speaks to all kinds of stuff, the environment, the culture you're building there, your leadership, you know, the pay, the benefits, it all wraps up together. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, what do you, you know, contribute to the, this low turnover? How would, how would, how are you doing that? <laughs> um, 
You know, I think there's a, uh, if you were to poll the staff um, on why they stay or what, yeah. what makes them yeah. special, I think you would get a, a very consistent thread around the word family. Um, okay. There's a very tight knit group. And, um, and when people join, you know, we, tr we I think there's, um, yeah, there's a very uh, just family-driven atmosphere, and I think people just really appreciate the the level of of uh, awareness and uh, appreciation, and you know we we focus on it. You know we focus on just sharing that and 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 making it a part of our day. Mm. Um, so I think that's I think that's a, definitely a big driver. And I think that, you know, Avery as a company is, if you were to pull Avery's employees, the entire company, I think that that's a very similar um, cultural thread is there's this family feel. And um, so I think that's definitely a backbone to what keeps people here and people excited to want to continue working here. Is the family feel, would you, to go, to go a level deeper on that, is, is that things like, um, you're going out of your way to make sure you care about them as a person, not just an employee and, and helping them through. Is that, is that example? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, th there's, there's, there's a lot of examples, especially over this last year. I mean, you know, if somebody is in a rough spot or, um, something's going on in their life, I mean, I think that especially on our side, I mean, um, you know, I, I definitely, I can speak to what we do, but, you know, we go, we bend over to make sure that our team is in, in good shape. And if they need space, they need time or whatever it is, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that they're being taken care of. That's really awesome. You know, I've told this story on a podcast uh, before, but um, yeah, if you just go the extra mile to take care of the employees in times of need, you can lock them in for life a lot of times. I, I had, I've been, I went through a divorce too, uh, from my first wife and I was in a, in a very, uh, rough situation where I had just been divorced. My ex-wife had just left me and I was living in Texas in this little tiny trailer house. It's poor shit. I didn't have any money and my wife had took anything we did have, which wasn't much. And, uh, my boss at the time, he overheard somebody talking about my situation. And so he found out what my situation was. We were closing down a retail store. Um, and the retail store, like a little small boutique retail store, you know, uh, it, it was a music retail store back when you had to go to brick and mortar store to buy music before downloading. Anyway, uh, the back of the store had like a little break table, a little microwave, a little mini refrigerator, you know, like where employees would go for break and stuff and a couple of little chairs and stuff. He, he rented a U-Haul that day and drove it up to the, to the facility and followed me home and gave me all that stuff for, for my oh. little trailer house. Cause I didn't have any furniture. I mean, I had nothing yeah. and he helped and he unloaded. And, and from that day on, I was like, okay, I will kill for this guy. Like I will die for this guy. Like I will never leave this guy. Right. <laughs> you know, it's the little stuff like that. Right. Uh, that if you just do for the employees at the right time, it really does mean a lot. And it means more than just how much they're making an hour. Right. I mean, uh, it really does. Yeah. Did that come from Adam and you both and just the, the entire leadership team? Has that been driven down from the top that, that kind of atmosphere? Um, yeah, I mean, I think on the restaurant side, um, you know, it, that's just, it, it's part of, I think, my nature, uh, you know, just growing up with my family, you know, like, um, 
my family's restaurant. Yeah, my family worked there, but we had a lot of other people not work, that, that weren't in my family that worked there, that worked there for years, I mean, decades. And I think that, you know, probably my grandfather um, instilled that, um, that piece in me. And, um, but Avery as a whole, that's, it's, I mean, we have a lot of people that have, that have been working for Avery for 10 plus years. So it's definitely a cultural, uh, I think it's just the overall, it's a cultural fit. You know that you know I, I, I vibe with it, and, um, and I think it's definitely something that has been in place for a long time. That's fantastic! What a wonderful atmosphere to to, to be in. Plus, you get to be around beer, which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really good beer. Uh, you know, really good beer, right? I mean, you know, when I was growing up, I thought to myself, the two coolest companies to work for would be like a beer wine and spirits company or music retail. I was like, I wanted to work for one of those. (laughs) What's better than one of those? I don't know. I couldn't think of anything when I was younger. Uh, This uh, we're recording this episode on the 20th of August, 2020. So for the listeners that might hear this a year from now, two years from now, whatever, we're in the middle of this COVID deal. Um, You know, managing a facility like you're doing on a regular day is, is a tough job with 60 employees. Then you throw in, oh, we got to be closed for two months, but hey, let's still make sure we somehow meet our numbers and, you know, budgeting, cash flow, payroll, and then we're going to reopen. And when we do reopen, we got to have all these new rules and we got to protect everybody. I mean, bro, just can you just tell me what life's been like a little bit over the last couple of months? Yeah, I mean, when we closed down on the 13th, um, you know, I think this is where our parent company now comes into play, Mal San Miguel out of Spain. Okay. Um, you know, we closed on the 13th, and it came so fast. I mean, it came fast for everybody. Um, you know, we had a, um, a big shareholder meeting. I think it was the, the 11th, the 10th or the 11th that week, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and COVID was brought up, but it wasn't like a driving force in this meeting. And all of a sudden, on the Thursday, the 12th, we had an emergency exec meeting, and we're like, what's going on? Holy cow, we're going to have to shut down. Wow. And making, pulling that trigger on Friday. Um, when we pulled the trigger, um, we, we said that we would pay our front of house hourly staff for two weeks with, at what, what, with what they averaged yeah. um, Good. the previous, you know, I think, year to date. Um, so it wasn't like, yeah, we'll pay them minimum wage for two weeks. It was like we paid them what they averaged since you know year to date. And that did you a- did they did they make that decision knowing that the PPP loan for payroll coverage was going to be passed by the government, or did they made that decision even before that? Before it, and this wow. was we we shut down probably three to four days. I mean, you know, Governor Pauls came out and and everything was shut down on the seventeenth. But That's right. We shut down um, a good three to four days ahead of a lot of restaurants and, and businesses, and we didn't have that knowledge. And actually, we didn't qualify for that loan because of our our parent company. Is, is oh, that. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Well, they really stepped up. Well, I- Man, that's huge. That's huge. Talk about again, like tenure and and keeping people. I mean, I think that that was uh, yeah. I mean. I get a little emotional around it because I believe it, it. really um, such a you know crazy time and I just remember being back in that moment and just feeling like wow this is this is amazing to to be able to offer that to our team 
Mm, for sure. And then you end up staying closed for how long? Um, well, we ended up closing March 13th. We opened up for curbside um, in May. So we I started see. curbside. Um, we had to furlough the entire team, including the managers. Um, it was myself, um, my GM, and my chef and his, uh, his sous chef. So it was four of us that stayed on. Mm-hmm. And um, we ran curbside beer and food um, for about a month and a half, um, just the four of us. We did Monday, Wednesday, and Friday sales. And then um, when we decided that we were going to launch on the 24th, uh, we brought a couple managers ahead of that. And then the team came back on that Monday. We did training the Monday, the 22nd, 23rd, that Monday, Tuesday, and then opened on the 24th. Wow. Wow. Uh, I, you know, and that now at this stage, is there, what kind of rules are in place now? Or what, what, what are you having to do now? Are you still having to do uh, half capacity or what, 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 what are you doing now to, what are you still having to deal with? I guess is the question. The regulations are um, 50% capacity in the okay. inside or 50 people max. Um, I see. So in our inside space um, where I'm currently at right now, um, we, we couldn't fit more than 42 seats. That's what we have upstairs in the restaurant and the tap room downstairs, we just have 18 seats. So we're very limited inside, um, but we were able to, um, there's uh, an initiative through Boulder and it was sparked by the governor is called the um, Boulder Business Recovery Program. Okay. And was, um, it allowed us to, where you had had dinner when you were here out on the lawn, uh-huh. we were able to get that extension. Um, so we were able to add more seating and barrels and tables out there. Um, ah. They just extended that. They were originally forecasting that to shut down on September 30th, um, okay. but they just last Friday released that we have that space now until October 31st, so Halloween. Ah, very, very good. Okay, very good. And Congratulations on getting through uh, all of that and getting reopened. And, you know, you're still having to manage it, right? Because it's still not back to normal, but congratulations on getting, getting you know, are all your employees back now or half capacity back? They are. Yeah, we were able to get them back. Um, we, we ended up, uh, one of my managers, um, she has been, um, she's a very high scholar. She's been um, uh, going after her, I'm going to mess this title up, but it's something to be a, uh, a priest in the Episcopal Church. And okay. She, she accepted a master's program out in California in Berkeley. And um, she's living in an amazing apartment. She just moved out there. So um, she didn't return from furlough. And, um, but we, we were able to get the rest of the team back. Now you see, you see for the listeners right there, let's just see how Ray knows that manager so personally and, and how you, you, you really have a very genuine feel like I know what's going on in her life. I'm, I'm glad that she's able to do this. And you, you know the details. I mean, that just really speaks to your, your relationship with your people. I, I love that. That's a that, perfect example of what we've been talking about. Let me, let me ask you this. We, we do a lot of um, daily tips on our podcast at Rider Flex for candidates interviewing for jobs. Um, can you, what, are, what are two or three tips you would give to the general listener on interviewing at Avery? 
Uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't want you to give all the secrets away, but you know, when, when, when they come in to interview, can you talk a little bit about what, what you're looking for, two or three things that you're really watching for? Yeah. Um, I think one word that we unanimously use is no brainer. Um, you know, when I get up from a conversation, I want to be excited. I want to be like, we have uh, to have a person. I got you. Um, so we call them no brainers and, and we try and get as many, um, you know, typically we are hiring into what we would call an entry position. So our host food runner team, okay. um, and sometimes they come with a lot of experience. Sometimes they don't, but I think ultimately, you know, what is a driving force in, in our decision is their attitude, how excited they are, what kind of energy they bring to the interview. Um, how bad do they want to work here or are they just looking for a job? Bingo, and, bingo right there. <laughs> And if I get up, I mean, typically for me, the longer I speak, you know, the longer we're, we're talking, the more excited I am, they are. And um, so I actually have an interview today at two o'clock. So I haven't had one in quite a while. It's been a while since we've hired somebody, but um, so that'll be fun. So, yeah. The, I like what you said about the no brainer, Me, meaning, you know, yeah, if you and your other, you may be a manager or whoever else is on the hiring team right there that's interviewing somebody, if you all get up and go, well, yeah, uh, he's okay. You know, let me think about it. You know, you know, is it? yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> no flags. Like we can't, I mean, you know, and yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if, if we have three, three managers all say no brainer, no brainer, no brainer. There you go. The person in, you know, it's, it's, we look for the person that like we would create a position for. And they typically, you know, they're the ones that hang on, you know, they're the ones that will commit to working through that, you know, the entry, get in there, learn, want to grow. Um, you know, so yeah, it's a good, no bonus. You touched on it too. And I want to highlight this it, for the candidates, for anybody that's in, you know, maybe you're looking for a job change or, or, or something or career change or you're in the market for a job. You have got to convince me why as a recruiting firm, you got to convince me why you want to work for our client, whatever client we happen to be filling the role for. Like you, if you haven't done any homework on the client and you, you don't know anything about the company, you don't, don't know anybody that works there and you can't passionately tell me why specifically you want to work for them and you're not passionate about it and I can't feel your energy on it. And I can tell you, you haven't done any homework and it, and I'm starting to just get a sense that it's just another job. Like I'm not, you're not getting it. <laughs> I, and, and Ray, I'm just so, I am so blown away by how many candidates just do not prepare for an interview and don't study the company or, or come with good questions or come with energy. I really am blown away by that. And I mean, that's what we do for a living, right? So we interview people all day long. Right. And so often I'm like, okay, so what do you know about the company, Johnny? And they're like, they're like, well, and then you can see them kind of because we're doing Zoom, right? So you can see that they're trying to look up the company real quick on the website and to answer my question. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> this interview's over. Uh, yeah, you you gotta you gotta be passionate about why you want to work for a specific company in a specific industry. I think that's so important. Uh, would you? How would you? Um, is there anything else that you look for in their, in their style or their personality? Is there something that you're like, okay, that fits our culture. Um, is there anything else you're looking for generally? 
Um, you know, I wouldn't say there's anything like a specific. I, I think a lot of it is it's, it's driven off a of feel. Just you know, okay, I, okay. Imagine this person being on the floor. Like if I if I can't imagine the person being on the floor engaging with our staff, engaging with our guests, then it's probably not a good. Fit. There you go. There you go. Do you have a couple of favorite questions you asked during the interview, or do you just kind of you just you just you want the conversation to flow naturally, and you just kind of shoot from the hip, or do you have, are you one of those guys that's got the list, or or, or what do you? Um, I would say probably my, my signature, uh, question. And I'm, I'm also told that I am a very scary interviewer. I guess I don't know. Um, but my signature question, I've been asking this one for a long time is, um, like, all right, this is the scenario. You're on a plane, you're flying somewhere over the ocean. Tragically, the plane crashes, but you are a survivor. When you come to, you realize you land on a beach. And when you, when you get on this beach, you discover a lifetime supply of one beer. What is that beer? Or what would you want that beer to be? And, um, and then that opens up. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe like a, a lager. I'm like, no, you, what is the one specific? <laughs> and I'm drill, I drill them. I don't give up until they call out one beer. Are you looking for product knowledge there, or are you just trying to you're trying to you're trying to assess their judgment and reaction to the question, or all of the above? I think it's all of the above, and just like yeah, you know, it does is beer exciting for them? Like there's people yeah. that are like oh my god, this is so, I I think I would do this, but maybe I'm like God, give me one beer. What is it? And then when they finally give me the beer, then I'm like, all right, cool. I'm sitting at your bar. What would you recommend me? And then though I ask them to, to describe the beer. I'm like, all right, talk about the beer. Why do you love it so much? Why Oh, 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 good. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, um, now I'm sitting at your bar, or your table. Why would I? Why would you recommend this beer? And what would you recommend? I oh, eat that's a great follow-up question. Great follow-up question. Yeah, that's usually a good. You know, it's like that. Like the more energy they have in that question and answering, um, and excited they are, I think it just speaks to yeah their comfort level and how they engage, um, their comfort in talking about beer. Like, are they? Are they? Are they shy because they think that whatever they're going to recommend is wrong? Uh, I think is that, that that's usually, but that is one of like really I, good stuff. That's really good stuff. That's really good stuff. Now for everybody interviewing, they're going to be, the word's going to get out like, Hey, listen to the podcast recording. He, he gives a secret away. Now, if anybody, if anybody says Budweiser or Coors, like a general answer like that, are you like, okay, you, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I've, I've had a couple of those, and I hired, I remember um, this one girl, Peyton, called her Pepe. Um, okay. She called out Bud Heavy. She's like, I'm, I want Bud Heavy. I'm like, really? I'm like, all right, cool. And then I started, I was like, I followed up with the exact, I'm like, all right, talk to me about this beer. Why do you love it so much? And it just like opened up this whole story okay. around why she loves Bud, and she came from St. Louis, and blah, blah, blah. This is what it's in her dad's oh. refrigerator. All okay. right, cool. She recommended me eating with it, and it's just like, she crushed it. All so, right. All right. Cool. <laughs> no. So there's really no right or wrong answer on the beard, on the, what you name. It's, it's, it's how you answer it and the passion around it and the knowledge. Okay. Very good. That's cool. I like that. That's really good stuff. What, what's the plan for Ray now? Uh, you know, I don't know how much you want to share there, but do you, do you want to retire with, with, with Avery? Do you want to eventually maybe, I mean, I, you strike me as the kind of guy that's got so much experience now, not only in kitchen with wine, with beer, like I'm really surprised 
one of these rich folks that live in Boulder that came, I, I don't mean to imply that everybody lives in Boulder is rich, but I'm surprised some, some wealthy person hasn't come to you and said, Hey man, listen, I'll give you a few million dollars. Let's, I, w- I want you to start your own place. I'm, supply, su- I'm surprised that hasn't happened already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as like plans are concerned right now, um, you know, I, I don't have any plans on leaving, leaving Avery anytime soon. And okay. Um, we're getting ready to launch our, we're going to be doing in-house delivery um, and through the online ordering platform through Arrived. Um, I know you uh, were talking with David, but, yes, uh, you know, and just think, you know, just what are we going to do? You know, when it, when it starts getting cold out and, you know, just, you know, oh. preparing some pretty potential big pivots. And so I think that's what my, my focus is on right now. And, just, uh, you know, thinking about this next year and uh, how we can continue growing. You know, I really, truly miss just going down to the tavern, local tavern, where my buddies hang out and just walking in, sitting down at the bar Mm. and just shooting the shit and just visiting with them in a regular environment where there's no, when I haven't it's not weird or awkward or something or whatever. Like I just, guy, I, I just really miss that, man. I, I don't know any other way to talk about any other way to express it. <laughs> just, it's a, it's a big piece that is not there right now. And yeah, it's hard to say how long it's going to take before that comes back. You know, I know. Right. It's, it's tough. It's really, it's on our side too, you know, and this having people like yourself come in and that's the, you know, that's the, the deal. They come in and they hang out, they engage with the staff and, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's a great energy oh, and, it, and it's a missing piece for sure. It, 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 uh, yes. I, I really miss it. Yeah. That, that, you know, uh, I always tell people like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure we weren't meant to live in caves. Like we're, we're social creatures. We're, we're, we want to socialize. We gotta get out there. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I really, uh, I really miss that. Um, you know, you can meet, you, I guess in today's world, you can go to a restaurant, you can, you can, you can set it like a high top or whatever, maybe near the bar, but you can't just meet your buddy and belly up to the bar and watch the game, talk about sports and chicks and all the rest of it. <laughs> uh yeah i'll be glad when uh, i'll be glad when we're past all this my friend i'm sure you will be too very much yeah Uh, two two last questions we're almost out of time if you could call the young man in jersey right before he signed up for the marine corps what would you tell him today That's a tough question. Um, it's a good question. Let's see. I would say uh, don't be afraid to look for the opportunities and seize them when they, they present themselves. And just, you know, um, I think, yeah, look for the, look, always look for the opportunities. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, I said two more. I got, now I got two more questions. Have you read the book Kitchen Conf- Confidential from Anthony Bourdain? I uh, have not. No, I own it. I have not read it. Yeah. I, oh, I'm now that surprises me. You're a restaurant guy. I figured. I know. Because the reason I'm asking you that is because there's stories in there from him that I'm guessing you have been through, like all the little kitchen stories and all that, all that, you know, <laughs> uh, by the way, anytime I'm interviewing as a recruiting firm, if I see a guy's resume and it says, I was a line cook for this many years 
And then I paid my way through school and then I was a line cook and then I was a, a waitress and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I automatically have respect for this person because that is a tough ass job with lots of hours. And you had to learn all the people skills that it re requires in the kitchen and out in the front end in front of customers. I mean, there's just so many uh, soft skills that are developed through that experience. So anytime I see that on somebody's resume where they, they say they have something like that, I'm like, okay, this person right here, you know, <laughs> uh, the last question I have is if Ray had to put his core purpose in life into a sentence, what would that sound like? Um, <clears throat> core purpose in a sentence, I would say, um, be true to myself true to others and um, lead and help inspire and, um, and crush. I just, yeah. Just, well, you're, you're doing all those things right now, my friend. <laughs> crush. Is that a, is that a word? Is that a buzzword? Is that a buzzword for the Avery team crush? I would say uh, it's probably, um, it's a word I use very often. Okay. <laughs> probably, uh, I use it in just about every email I send out to the team. Oh, really? I use it in a different way, you know, like may the, you know, <laughs> may the winds of crush, you know, get going. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. I like that. The winds of crush. Where'd that, where'd that come from? You know, where the, where'd, where'd, you, that's a good one. For a long time. Uh, we, we, pre COVID, we would have, um, uh, uh, all hands meeting once a month with the entire staff. And, um, and, uh, I developed what was called a five minute Prezi. Um, and so we would always have a five minute Prezi and that was, you know, who volunteered. And so next meeting they would give their five minute Prezi and it was to help people get up in front of the, you know, in front of the team and, cool. you know, speak in front of the public. And um, so I, I did a, uh, my five minute Prezi one time was the origin of the word crush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's another, you got to come back on the show. Now we're going to talk about crush for 30 minutes. That's a good one. <laughs> uh ray thanks for so, thanks so much for being on the rider flex podcast I, I appreciate it yeah it was great talking with you steve thank you the rider flex podcast features entrepreneurs business executives and the stories behind how they got there as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews our show can be heard just about anywhere these days but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.